0: Hi and welcome to Mumspire, your go-to place for inspiration, information and great tips on how you can become a happier and healthier mum. My name is Anna Maria and I'm your host. I work as a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, doula and yoga instructor. But most importantly, I'm a fellow mum. Welcome. If you're pregnant and are about to become a mum, or if you've just given birth and have a baby that's less than 12 months old, then this episode is absolutely for you. There is endless advice and books to be read on how best to parent and how to help your baby sleep better. And in today's episode, it's all about that first 12 months of being a mum. I'm all for embracing as much information and advice and expertise as possible and getting as much support as possible so that you can feel as nurtured and educated as possible. And in today's episode, we're going to explore a particular style or philosophy of parenting that is called Aware Parenting. And I'm joined by Helena Mooney, who is a Parenting by Connection instructor. She's an Aware Parenting instructor. She's a doula, birth advocate, and mum to two children. She has an eight-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. She's followed this approach for eight years with her own children and loves supporting parents in one-on-one consultations and through her online courses and in-person groups. I met Helena the first time just a little more than six years ago when I did a talk on nutrition at one of her birth and parenting events. And that was when I was first introduced to Aware Parenting or the philosophy of Aware Parenting. And what really struck me was that it was very nurturing and loving and very realistic for the individual mother. It's very much an approach that takes each mother into consideration and what her needs are, where is she at on this mother journey. and really helping the mum to be heard and listened to and then giving the right tools for that individual mum so it's a much more it seems to have a little bit more wiggle room and finding that happiness and connection to your baby and i think that when we don't force one size fits all on on ourselves and how we should or shouldn't be as parents for our little baby it gives us more room and reason to connect to our own intuition and that's really what i'm getting from that aware parenting approach and from what i've understood so far is that it's very much about connecting with yourself and connecting with your baby from a slightly different approach than what you might have heard in other philosophies Helena is such a joy to speak with. She is full of passion and excitement and she really loves what she does and it really shines through, which is just such a joy to be part of. So it's been a wonderful conversation with Helena and I'm sure you'll get a bunch of new tools for your toolbox. Now, Helena can be found on her website, which is birthandparenting.com.au. She has her consultations available online. She also has online courses and she also has created an online program alongside Marion Rose, who's another Aware Parenting instructor. Their course can be found on awareparentingbabies.com. Helena has been very kind and has offered you, wonderful Mumspire listeners, a free gift at the end of the talk and that link can be or the gift can be found via her website which is birthandparenting.com.au forward slash Mumspire. So have a listen, embrace the new ideas and philosophies, grab a few more tools for your mama toolbox and most certainly grab this free gift and explore this philosophy a little bit further and enjoy. I'm really, really happy to sit with you today, Helena, because you are such a valuable source of information and what you do is so interesting, I think personally, being a mom and also being a naturopath who's working in the field of taking care of new moms and children, of course. So Let's dive into who you are as a person, first of all.
1: And <laughs> <laughs>
0: what are you about, Helen? What am I about?
1: Well, so I'm first and foremost a mum. I've got an eight year old daughter, and we're sitting currently in her bedroom. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> this is a great place to, to record. Um, so I've got an eight year old daughter, Emily, and I've got a two year old son, George. And so I've been a mum for over eight years. And When I got pregnant, I'd done some personal development work before becoming pregnant. And one of the people who I'd met throughout gave me um, a brilliant book that I read when I was pregnant. And it just like was going, it was looking at the context of parenting in society, how society shapes parenting and parenting shapes society and brain development. And it was so fascinating. I was going, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this is just so interesting. I want to, you know, obviously parent aligned like this and also do something like this. Because I was a marketing manager for. Conferences and events before, so I then thought, well, I'm going to do parenting the right way, and therefore my daughter will then be perfect, <laughs> and everything is going right.
0: to be. <laughs> we'll have this at the end of the show.
1: Yes, <laughs> and that everything's going to be rainbow and butterflies, and we're all just going to float through, and it's all just going to be beautiful. So I was very clear about how I wanted to parent before I had Emily, and you know, read up a lot about birth and prepared for that, and then prepared for parenting, and then realized that it's not perfect. <laughs> and, you know, just because you do X, your baby is not going to then do Y. And so I followed a classic attachment parenting approach where, you know, breastfed on demand, co-slept, carried all the time, tried to stop any sort of form of crying, shushing and, yeah, and just trying to be as responsive to my child's, my baby's needs as possible. And what I noticed was that I was exhausted. She wasn't really sleeping very well. And she was still crying, and I'm going, "Well, why are you still crying? Even though I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do for this, you know, beautiful little baby." And then I discovered a wonderful woman called Marion Rose, who's an aware parenting instructor. She's the most senior aware parenting instructor in Australia, and through there, her then recognised that you can't possibly meet all your children's ne- you know, your baby's needs and babies get upset about things. And babies have feelings from the word dot, which we don't really always recognize. And, and then learning ways of then being with Emily to then help her. And then it'll help me sleep improved, everything, you know, improved dramatically. So then I went, I want to, this is what I want to do career-wise. So I've trained with Marion as an aware parenting instructor, and I've also trained with this beautiful organization in the States called Hand in Hand Parenting. And so I'm a parenting by connection instructor with them as well as also trained to then become a doula. So I just love birth, babies, toddlers,
0: children. All of it. (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Um, And I think one of my, my main things And also sort of the reason for starting this podcast is, you know, as women and as new moms, it's so hard and it's all brand new. And we're often, we find ourselves very lost in all of it. And with this enormous feeling that we really should be able to do all of it because we're moms. So somehow we're meant to just be wired to know how we do this. So, and we find out most of us that it's not like (laughs) that, just as you, your experience was. So I often find that women isolate themselves in this process because they then realize this is harder than they thought. And luckily you didn't isolate yourself. You just dived into meeting Marion and find more out about what are are the solutions out there. So what does aware parenting really do?
1: What is different? Yeah, what's really different is it's based on attachment parenting principles. And I hate using labels, but it's helpful to understand What is that? So attachment parenting is very much about meeting the physical and emotional needs of our children and and sort of really recognising that babies, you know, we all have a strong need for connection with our family, with another person. And so, you know, babies need physical touch. They need closeness. They need us to be responsive to their needs and their cues. Where parenting and parenting by connection is different is that it recognises that children, babies have feelings. (laughs) And they also have a need to release those feelings and express those feelings. And that crying is a really normal, natural, healthy way of doing that. Because so much of our culture is about stopping our babies from crying. So we sort of can be either in two camps. You know, one is like, well, babies just need to cry on their own until they go to sleep. On the other camp, which I fell into was that, you know, at all costs, we should try and stop our babies from crying. Because if they're crying, that means we're not meeting a need. We've missed a cue that they haven't, that they're trying to communicate with us and crying is the last resort. So, you know, we really should do everything we can to stop the crying. So it was enormous relief to realize that it's really healthy for babies to cry, just like it's healthy for us to cry. It's, and, and because babies obviously can't articulate, you know, they haven't got that capacity to articulate. They're such physical beings. And so, you know, if there's a bright light or a loud noise or their tummy is starting to digest or they've, you know, they've experienced birth. Like, And we talk about, you know, our birth experience incessantly to anybody you know, in the street who will listen. So babies also have experienced birth and they also, you know, have experienced and they need to release stress and, and crying is a, an awesome way of releasing stress. So that was a huge, I found out about this when Emily was 10 months old and to really recognize that I hadn't failed as a parent because my child was crying, you know, I hadn't Done something wrong. I mean, I I would have done countless things wrong, but that's okay. (laughs) And that it's really natural and normal. And so it was such a revelation to go, oh, okay. So, you know, if I've met her need for closeness, I'm holding her. I know I've recently fed her. She doesn't have a dirty nappy. She's warm. She's cuddled and she's still crying. Well, then there's obviously a reason why she's crying. So let her cry and I will hold her and look into her eyes and love her while she's crying. And then she finishes crying. And then she's just this relaxed, beautiful baby who then would fall asleep naturally. There wasn't the the, jockey, the the jiggling and the rocking. It was It was like, oh my God, this is amazing.
0: It's a little bit similar to, you know, when you catch up with a girlfriend and you just have had a yes. bad experience and you just want to talk about it and they don't necessarily have to have a solution, but you just got to get it out and you go, oh, I don't know. It's all gone now. The problem seems to be has disappeared. Um, so it's interesting that that's probably exactly the same that's happening for a little infant at the same time. Yes. Mm.
1: But it's hard for us to A, recognize that because we think, well, what's a baby got to cry about? You know, I'm holding it, (laughs) I'm feeding it. Everything's lovely. You know, we're stopping our whole lives (laughs) revolving around this baby. What's it got to cry about? And it took me a long time to recognize that everybody has, a need to cry and we repress it and suppress it in various different ways as we get older, but it just takes the pressure off us.
0: Mm, It does. And there is that, you know, hardwiring inside of us that, you know, we're meant to act as soon as a baby cries. We just have this, you know, that adrenaline starts pumping and we're, you know, running to the room and to get them, that's just how we're wired. But it's associated with a negative feedback loop, isn't it? Whereas, you know, what you're saying, if we could, I don't know, painted on the wall or have a tattoo <laughs> yes. where we remind ourselves that it's actually the way of communicating. And of course, attending to if they do have a dirty nappy or a yes. hungry and so on. Mm.
1: And that's why I think, you know, so much of, we do have so much sort of guilt or anxiety around our babies crying because we were left largely to cry, you know, children of seventies. I mean, and for generations, you know, we've been taught that babies are manipulating us, they've got to learn to self-soothe, you know, they've got to learn to be independent, you know, and we're talking about month old babies that that's not biologically or physiologically accurate for our babies. And so that's why, you know, some people can be quite hardened to babies crying, going, well, they've just got to learn to deal with it. And other ones get really panicked and going, I've done something wrong, or there's something wrong with my baby, and I've got to do anything possible to Sorry, I'm jigging away now because you know, it's that, it's yeah, that real it. innate fear. Whereas if we then start to reframe crying as going, my baby just needs to cry. So then at the sound of a crying baby, we could change that association going, well, if we know that that baby's being loved and attended to whilst they're crying, you can relax. It's a very different feeling, but it's been so pervasive in our culture to either suppress crying or to just let them get on, cry on their own that we have negative connotations about crying.
0: Mm. Yeah, we do, and there's so my, so many people out there giving us advices, and there, and our grandparents, and our mums, and there's always a right and a wrong way, which leads me to you know a thought that is there really when we're talking about infants and and babies under one as such, apart from obviously keeping them warm and fed and dry, is there such a thing as parenting them? I mean, they sleep, they eat, and they poo—that's <laughs> sort of what they do. Yes, repeatedly. Um, you know, are there too much? you know, too many books, too much information? Are we just, are there always a right way? I mean, I think I'm sort of thinking about that inner intuition as into, because there is no right way. I know there are styles, Mm -hmm. but there's no just one way that you should be attending to a child. Are we losing touch with our inner intuition and, and with that free flow because we're constantly told that, oh no, you must leave them to cry. Otherwise they'll never learn to sleep on their own or
1: or you must always hold your baby at all times, otherwise, you know, you're damaging them. Exactly. Yeah, it's really hard. And I struggle sometimes with this because sometimes we've lost touch with our intuition. And for generations, I think we've lost touch with our intuition because, like, you know, my mum was very much, you know, you must leave your child to cry, to sleep, preferably down the garden you know, in a pram. (laughs) And so, you know, that's a generation upon generation of being told, you know, for you know Victorian times, you know, women, mothers were um, ridiculed or belittled for wanting to spoil, they were described as spoiling their children. So, you know, it's been in certainly in Western societies, it's been very much sort of beaten out of us women to really nurture our babies in the way that we would ideally like to. So our intuition's there, but we're often, it's often overlaid by, society's views of how we should do children deal with babies and then there are also this plethora of books but then also that's healthy too because then I've learned so much and we've you know we found out so much about brain development now so you know there's actual facts about how babies do start to learn but then we can get caught up in it all and going well I've read that book and but then that book says something else and ah uh, so that's why and you know one of the big things is that we just slow down and be with our baby and look at our baby and just go, okay, so what's our baby doing now? And, and to really slow down and go inward with our, you know, just having that time holding our baby, it's such a special time and it can be awful as, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> overwhelming as well, but to really get to know what our baby is doing and needing and, and know how we're feeling about it too.
0: Yeah. I think that's a big missing link, isn't it? We overanalyze yes. instead of being present and, and together with them.
1: And because also the birth is such a physical and physiological event and, you know, hormones are flying out, you know, they're just, everything's firing. And sometimes we can lose appreciation for that. It's such a physical reaction we have when our babies are crying, you know, often if we're breastfeeding, you know, that's when we start producing milk, you know, so it's really allowing that process, that physical process to happen too.
0: So how do you, when you speak to mums and they come to you and they're, um, at their wits end and they haven't slept for a million oh, years, it feels like, and they are probably malnourished as yeah. well. And, um, how do you sort of, how do you filter through all these layers to get a woman to get connected to their child? Because not all of us give birth to a baby and feel madly in love no. right away, which we all think is must happen. We see these beautiful pictures and magazines where they look adoringly at their child. But I mean,
1: you don't always. Not I mean, I remember. Giving birth to Emily, and straight away, you know, she's this squished up purple thing going, Oh, there's no bolt of lightning of love feeling there. It's a thing that accumulates over time. I think, and also what I love about aware parenting and, and parenting by connection is it's recognizing that we can know everything under the sun and have all the best intentions. But if we're not nourished and nurtured and listened to, if we're stressed, we, you know, our brain, you know, gets clouded. We can't then implement everything that we'd ideally like to. So, you know, a big part of what I do is listening to mums about how they're feeling and what's going on for them and asking them, you know, especially for mums with young babies and child- and toddlers, you know, how was the birth? And some women immediately start to cry and some just go, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Too, It's too painful. So it's really important to acknowledge what's going on for us. We don't have to sort of Buck up and be strong and to push it to one side. Because if we're going to listen to our children's emotions, we need somebody to listen to ours and we need to get in touch with ours. And to, you know, a lot of women have grief around birth. Grief's a big word, but, you know, a lot of upset feelings around change of status. You know, you go from being in the workforce and everything's really cool and you wear nice clothes to, like, you know, you've got vomit stains all over you, you're at home, you haven't had a shower. (laughs) So it's, you know, a lot of it is just listening to each other and not jumping in with going, well, what you need to do is this, this and this. Because when we can offload the stressful feelings that we're carrying, then we go, well, actually, I know what I want to do with my baby. But it's those stressful feelings and stressful thoughts that get in the way of our intuition or of what we really want to do. So when we can offload our our upset feelings, that relief, you know, when you've had a big cry with a friend you, or, you know, you've talked incessantly about something, you just feel that relief, don't you? And then your mind clears and then you can think clearly and go, do you know what? I'm just going to do this. This is what me and my baby needs.
0: Mm-hmm. So in many ways, it sounds like you have to do in therapy in a way, as in you're not a counselor, but like you have to, because it's not, you know, when you pick up a parenting book at the library or in the bookshop or Google online for whatever different... Ways there are to parent the right way, yes. um, uh, you know. There is, you know, this technique for that and so on. But what you're talking about is actually more of a conversation, or more about you know tuning into the individual mum and ploughing through her layers of stuff.
1: You know, well, yeah, and allowing the mum to explore. You know, and and we don't often have that space and time, don't we? Because when we have a conversation, it's often like. You know, you're waiting for the other person to stop talking so that you can then interject either with your own story or this amazing piece of advice. Whereas what you know, I and other where parenting and parenting by connection people offer is that space for the person to just talk and talk and talk and we ask questions, so how was that for you? Or what does that remind you of? You know, because when we parent, our own way that we were parented comes up, you know, and when we're stressed, we revert to the ways that we were parented, whether we like it or not. So the more that, you know, you can just be with somebody and then give them that space to talk about and to cry and to get really angry and upset, then it's very healing. It's a very sort of mutual relationship. It's peer to peer rather than let me tell you exactly what you should be doing with your child. You have the answer. (laughs) Yeah, because we do. We have often the answers, but sometimes we might need some guidance or some information and then we get to choose how we want to be with our baby. We often,
0: uh, me as a naturopath, I often see new mums uh, mostly around um, either breastfeeding problems or being deficient in something or healing after a traumatic birth and so on. So, But of course, I focus a lot in on nutrition and supplements and so on. But in regards to nourishing a new mum, because this is mainly what we're focusing on in this episode, is very much the new mum, because you've gone through nine months of pregnancy and you're, you know, looked after, mm, hopefully very yes. well. Um <laughs> People stand up for you, carry yeah. things
1: for you yeah, <laughs> when you're heavily
0: pregnant. Exactly. And it's this, you know, it can be a very, you know, romantic time, hopefully, where, you know, you get scans and you're, you know, people look after you. Yeah. But then suddenly you've given birth and you're at home and then <laughs> it's empty and your husband is probably back at work yeah. and uh, the house is pretty quiet, apart from when your baby's crying. Yeah, How do we, as mums nourish ourselves on an emotional level so that we can, of course, heal from perhaps a traumatic birth experience or maybe some, you know, old childhood stuff that comes up in regards to what you were talking about, parenting, old, old things. I mean, I do find that um, motherhood is the time where old wounds do come <laughs> up. I mean, whether you want it or not. Oh, <laughs>
1: flying at you when you're, you know, I've now have an eight year old, you know, so that's, yeah. yeah different right ages,
0: different things come <laughs> yep. up um, because of course we have a past too and we're only humans. So how do, how do a new mum prepare herself for the new mums who are listening out there who may be about to give birth or who've just become a mum? What should she sort of, you know, look out for in regards to looking after herself? Of course, she has to look after the baby and that is, you know, no matter how we twist and turn, it's becomes the priority to look after this little newborn, of course. But if we forget about ourselves, as you say, then we have these, you know, we lose touch with our intuition, our capacity to really listen to our children. What should a woman do, do you think, to look after herself and nourish herself emotionally in those early days?
1: Oh, this is so important because also as a doula, you know, I work with women in the lead up to the birth and we really focus on the birth. And and that is so important. But what I also try and encourage my clients to do is then think, well, how how do you want to be after the birth with your baby? You know, and I think it is important to really think about, you know, basic things. Where do you want your baby to sleep? how do you want to respond? You know, all those sort of things. So you're clear in advance about how you want to be with your baby, because then advice comes flying and you're tired and you're overwhelmed and it's confusing and you just go, oh God, everything's too hard. So I think preparing as much as you can is really helpful. And then, you know, the physical side of getting support, like when I had my second, because I was in an established network, you know, friends brought food, you know, things that's helpful. And that feels nourishing. It's more than just somebody cooking for you it feels like somebody's nurturing me because when we're new mums we're nurturing that's that's our main focus isn't it you know we're just giving 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 giving, Non-stop. <laughs> and so to to feel I mean I had somebody come over and they, they washed up for me and I always said you have no idea how amazing that feels so I think sort of setting up yes it's lovely to buy cute little outfits but if if your friends can come over and Wash up or cook a meal—it's just that just feels so amazing. And then also to tap in to other mums who you feel comfortable with, and you know the whole mothers group thing can work beautifully for some people, and it doesn't work for other people. So, and this is the beauty now of Facebook, isn't it? You know, if you if a particular way of parenting resonates with you, there's going to be a group for it, and it's so helpful to meet up with other mums that you can then talk about things. And that they're aligned to your philosophy, because as much as we don't like it, it does come down to different philosophies of parenting, and some things resonate with you, and some things don't. So, to find that, find your tribe, find your support as much as you can, and and also recognize that outside friends, um, it's really helpful to get outside influences, because sometimes we focus and we expect our partners to give us everything, and they're also really overwhelmed, and they don't know, and they can often at the beginning more about your state than your baby's state so then it can be you know contentious about how you then deal with your baby so to recognize that your partner can't give you all that emotional support that you need you need to find other people outside
0: i think it's such a good point in regards to the tribe and finding a tribe that because we are you know traditionally we are wired to do things together you know to have a grandparent or a mum or several aunties and mm-hmm. Our whole community, in some cases, to help out and hold the baby while you go to the toilet. No,
1: no, no. I'm mean, simple things. Well, traditionally, it's meant to be four adults to one child. Oh my you know, God. we're not. Yeah, mean, you, that that, f- that would feel like a holiday, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be great. I know. So we're not, and you know, if you're a new mum and you've already got a toddler, I mean, it's it's a lot, and then you're expected to sort of look glamorous you know revert back to pre-baby weight. Heaven, smart, tidy house. I mean, it's just it's unachievable. A lot of it. So it's really just also to slow down as well. And because depending on how your birth went, you know, if you've had a you know an intervention-free you know or a birth that you feel really good about, you can just be like, rush, let's just go, and you're on a high, and let's rush. I did that, and then I crashed and burned. I <laughs> was like this heap on the floor. So just really recognizing that it is a time to, to be slow. You know, we don't have to go back. Life has changed. As much as we all vow it's never going to change us, it does change us. And to really allow that change to happen, I think, and to be slow and just to take time and hang out with your baby and then give your baby to a friend if you want to and have a shower or have a massage. Um, Because I think sometimes we feel we need to be with our baby all the time. And actually other people can love your baby too and be really nurturing with your baby.
0: And actually naturally, that's what, is okay because of this community situation that we actually are somewhat hardwired to have that Mm. we've now lost touch with in our society, I think. Although we were talking about, you know, crying for an infant or a new baby is really the way, the only way they can communicate. Ha- they have nothing else. Yeah. Um, so in many ways, as we were saying, let's get a tattoo, let's paint it on the wall and <laughs> remind ourselves that this is natural and it's a good thing. So we don't think it's bad every single time we yeah. cry. So we get stressed out because of course they react to our stress and then, whoops, and then okay, here, we have a wonderful cycle spirals. of stress. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, yes, in an ideal world, we are with our children All the time. I don't even know (laughs) if that's ideal, actually. I take that back. But, you know, of course, we want to pick them up as often as we can. But there are going to be situations where we just can't Mm -hmm. and we won't pick them up necessarily. So if we are, let's say, in the shower and they're sleeping and they wake up and we don't hear it or whatever it may be. Is it really detrimental for them to be crying? And and, because I think there is a lot of information out there to in some, you know, books and some programs, they do talk a lot about how you know, excess cortisol floods the brain and it's detrimental. It sounds awful. I mean, my God, I couldn't possibly leave my child to cry. You know, how bad is it really? Because there has to be, I believe, a middle ground where we still have to be humans who goes to the toilet, has baths or answer the phone or, and sometimes we don't hear the monitor in the bedroom or whatever.
1: Which, and we have other children to attend to. And so what I'm, you know, what I'm an advocate for and, and, you know, where parenting parenting by connection is about is recognizing we all have needs. So, you know, if a baby is, I mean, I've done this and for those of us who've got more than one child, you know, sometimes, well, I forgot to put the monitor on, you know, and I come downstairs and he is screaming hysterically and you just go, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. He's ruined forever. He's ruined forever. (laughs) This is it. It's terrible. And, you know, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen that, you know, you'd need to go to the loo or, you need to shower or you need to do something for yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to lose the plot. And that is very different to that sort of systematic way of training your baby to sleep. And, you know, for prolonged amounts of being left alone and crying on your own, that is stressful. But the you know, and this is parenting forever. You know, we're going to stuff it up and then it's the repair. And what they're saying is that if we try and meet our children's needs all the time, A, we'll just run ourselves ragged. And it's actually not very helpful for our children. It's that sense of reconnection that's really helpful. So, you know, if you accidentally or, you know, you occasionally can't meet their need or you've, you know, with George, I had to just put him in the car screaming his head off and I had to then drive to go and collect my daughter from school. You know, we have to do, this is life. But I think it's recognizing that there's other times when you can just sit calmly with your baby and you have that time and then they need to cry in your arms And they might be crying about the time that you've left them, but that's, that's okay. (laughs) And then that's when you can then listen to them and and allow them to have that emotional cry in your arms. And then you do it because that's just life, isn't it? When it's that disconnection or that breakdown, and then you have that repair and that's just going to serve us really well throughout our life as parents.
0: Yeah. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's just life that, you know, it's impossible to wrap them in cotton wool and forever, you know, it's kind of, it reflects in some ways, I suppose, how life does vary. And sometimes, you know, it goes up and down. It's inevitable. But I suppose when we look at them and they're so little, we go, well, they shouldn't feel that yet. Yes, <laughs> it's too soon. <laughs> um, but I think it is important to new mums to know that you haven't ruined your child no. and you're not a bad mother. If, you know, if they were crying and you didn't hear it or like we can go into a real stressful state. Yes, and I think it is important to understand that, you know, no, it doesn't mean that their brain is forever, you know, Damaged. tormented. No. And and what you're talking about in Aware Parenting is that you then make sure that, you know, once you have driven to the school, picked up your older child and they've cried the whole way and back probably, <laughs> yeah, God. and, you yes. know, I've red spots in their face from just nonstop crying, that you then hold, you take a moment to then hold them and, and bring it back to to a Yes. State. And that
1: you have that time. So you go, okay, I've just got to get through this. This is just awful. We've just got to do this. But tomorrow or, you know, in a couple of hours time, I will have the capacity to sit down and then be with my baby then and then to listen to all of their you know upset feelings or, you know, whatever's going on for them. And I will be with them then because... It's just not realistic. And I think for my first 10 months of being a mom, I thought I had to be there, subject all my needs for the needs of my baby. And that's just not tenable. It's not, it's also not a great example. I don't want my daughter to feel that she has to put her life on hold. It's about, you know, my needs are important and my baby's needs are important. And how can we meet both of our needs in a really loving and effective way? You know, generations past, it was about babies subjecting to the parents' needs, going, they just, children should be seen and not heard. You know, babies should be just left on their own to cry in their own room and just deal with it. And then we swung to, we've just got to meet all of the needs of our parents, of our children, otherwise it's just going to be damaging for them. And I think now we're sort of swing, swinging back going, do you know what? My needs are important and my baby's needs are important.
0: And mm. that, so it's, it's almost valid. like this is the, the balance or the middle point. Yes. Mm. So I think a lot of the women that are listening or a lot of the new mums, would be familiar with the attachment parenting. And I think there are so many really beautiful things in in that realm of uh, attachment parenting and holding your baby and being with your baby. I mean, to me personally, it was one of those very glorious and romantic times where I could just, I was just always with her. And it is just, that was how I was wired, that that's felt totally natural. But I know you and I both experienced this, that you just, you Totally forget about your own needs. And that's why I'm so interested in uh, aware parenting is because there is this middle ground where we remember that the mum also have needs. But I would like to just ask you, where do we go wrong with the uh, attachment parenting and and how t- can we get out of it? How do you work with your clients moving from the deep, dark place of motherhood, especially new mums? I think we're focusing on them particularly to coming into a place that's a little bit lighter and more manageable?
1: When I found out about Wear Parenting, as I said, I was exhausted and I was posting in, we didn't really do it on Facebook, then it was Yahoo groups. And I was saying, I'm tired, you know, is this ever going to end? Why is my baby still not sleeping and and crying? And, you know, it was almost like, well, suck it up because (laughs) um, this is just how it needs to be. And I was thinking, well, how do people operate in the world? You know, I'm exhausted. I can't sleep all the time during the day and be awake at night. And it was just, it was, you know, I love, I, but I just loved being with my baby too. You know, I loved carrying her and stuff like that. But then there were times when I just would, you know, gladly throw her out the window because it was just exhausting. Um, and then other people's voices would then go, well, you just need to leave them to cry on their own. You just need to put them in their own cot, blah, blah, blah. So then after a while, you just go, oh, maybe because I'm so tired. So what I experienced, benefited from, and then what I now explain to my clients is that it's okay for our babies to cry. Because I think those of us who gravitate towards attachment parenting, we you know, have chosen not to do the cry it out sleep method. So therefore we view, we can view all crying as detrimental. And so to find out that actually crying is normal, natural, healthy way of releasing stress and communicating, that is a relief and that you can't possibly meet all your, your baby's needs. You know, it's just not possible and it's not healthy for you to even try, you know, obviously we want to meet as many needs as possible, but not to, at the detriment of our own emotional physical <laughs> relationship health so it's to really understand that it's okay for your baby to cry you know if you if you feel that you've met her physical needs their physical needs and they're still crying then it's because there's something going on inside of your baby and the best thing you can do is just to breathe stop hold your baby look at them and you know gaze at them and allow them to cry in your arms and you're not forcing them to cry. You're not making them cry. You're just giving them the opportunity to cry because you're not trying to repress it and shush them and, and rock them and bounce them and everything that is exhausting to do. You know? I, even amongst my peers, you know, we had hammocks, we were bouncing on balls. I mean, it was just exhausting to do anything to stop our babies from crying. So it's a huge relief to just go, actually, my baby just needs to have a cry. And then it just becomes, okay, she just needs to have a cry now. And I've done this from birth with my son, and so I would, you know, have some time to just go, okay, George, you just need to have a cry now. I can see, you know, and he would cry for up to about an hour at a time, which seems like an enormous amount of time. But what was really interesting about that was then because I was doing, I was at school, you know, with my daughter's community there, and they're going, this is the most relaxed baby I've ever seen. He's really chilled. And I didn't tell everybody because some people would freak out. But I'd say, he's just cried for an hour this morning in my arms. And it's important to have that distinction. It's crying in arms. It's not cried out, crying on their own. It's crying in arms. He's just had a big cry in my arms. And that is now why? Because he's released anything that would have been bothering him. And so he's just happy and content and calm and engaging.
0: Interesting. Mm. So do you think that babies are actually they hold on to their feelings. So an event has happened, traumatic event, like being born perhaps or less events. And then they hang on to it and then it comes out
1: later on. Yeah. Because we now know in the brain, the limbic system, which is our um, emotional part of the brain, it's like a tape recorder. It records everything. So although they're not going to consciously like, you know, my eight-year-old has no idea about her birth. She doesn't consciously remember it, but there'll be stuff in her body. You know, we remember it in our limbic system, which is why we have such visceral reactions sometimes that don't logically make sense. So babies have that, it's in there. And so, as I said, it can be birth related, or it can be that you accidentally forgot to turn the monitor on and they cried, or that there's a bright light, or, you know, or you pick them up a bit roughly accidentally, or, or that their tummy, as I said, their digestive system is starting to work and, you know, They've just done a big poo. <laughs> so, you know, anything that's just like a bit unsettling, they, they're just going to cry about it. It's just, and, and what is so beautiful is if just if you allow that process to happen, they're then not going to carry on, hold it on. So then they're not that whingy, you know, constantly crying at the slightest drop of a hat. And, and the test for me when George was little, and I say this to my clients, is, you know, if you've met their needs and then you put them down and you're just changing their nappy suit and they're just crying and crying and crying, then it shows you that there's something else going on there because you know they shouldn't always cry just because you're not holding them so if they've that makes sense so um and I would find you know I was list- I thought I was listening to some crying with my son but he was still crying every time I put him down to change a nappy and so even that became a stressful event and I'm going oh my god what's going my on <laughs> <laughs> and then so then when I think okay you just will cry and this is the thing also babies will cry for as long as they need to so you can get really worried that, oh, God, it's crying too much. Is my baby crying too much? If you're holding your baby and you're loving them and you're looking them and, you know, eye gazing as much as you can, they will cry and then they will stop. It's quite extraordinary. They, and so, you know, if this resonates to you or to people who are listening, then just try it one time and just see how you and, or maybe just say, I'll listen to my baby for like five minutes and set the timer and then see how your baby is afterwards. And generally, you'll find that your baby is more relaxed because they're not holding on to those
0: feelings. Mm, yeah, it's coming out. Yeah, that's no, a very good point.
1: But it's a whole mind shift to think that our babies have feelings because we just think of them as this sort of blob who just cries and poos and sleeps. But actually, there's, there's a lot, lot going on in there. Yeah, it
0: gets really complicated. <laughs> I
1: know. So it's not about making it complicated. It's just about recognising that actually, just allow your baby to cry in your arms. While you're loving them, and because they're doing that, of their because there's there's a need there, that they're either communicating or they're just expressing, releasing stress.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's just so different from having our babies in the pram outside the house, yes. isn't it? I mean, it's, we talked about that on the phone, or we we're talking about doing this interview, and I've thought about it since. It's just so different.
1: Well, it's Northern European countries. Yeah. And it's cold. And my mum told me, well, you need to get a cat net for your pram. And I'm going, what? Why? So that a cat doesn't come and smother your baby when it's sleeping. (laughs) And I'm going, but why would I put my baby out in the pram outside, you know? So it gets fresh air. Well, it can have fresh air with me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: it's a very different mindset. It is a
1: very different mindset.
0: Very different. It's changed so much. No wonder there's so much confusion.
1: (laughs) I know. And this, I don't want people listening to feel confused about this. It is a new approach and... Well, it's not really new. It's been around since the 60s, 70s, that, you know, officially. But so, yeah, it's just exploring it and seeing what resonates and, and what feels right and, and to tr- maybe try and experiment for a while and then if that feels right, carry on. If not, don't do it. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I think what I like about it is that there, it, it's so much more, it becomes more individualised. You don't have to conform to a certain style in a book or in a certain way that there is, I feel like there's less right and wrong which I personally like yes. it's harder to then actually you know feel like you're a bad mum which I think so many of us struggle with I mean I think 17 times a day we feel like we've done something bad oh
1: and it just gets carries on <laughs> as they get older well. yeah you know and then there's t- and, I mean, and I you know would listen to George for an hour a time and then there's times times when I just don't and I'm busy and I can't be bothered or I just don't have it within me and to recognize that that's okay too because it's you know aware parenting is not just about being aware of our children it's being aware of ourselves and so it helps us get more in touch with what's going on for us and if it doesn't feel right you know if you're too stressed or you're too busy to sit and listen to your baby crying or whatever it is that's okay
0: i think you just hit the nail on the head there because with the aware, aware parenting that we are listening to both the baby and the mum mm-hmm. and we just we can't do it without actually remembering ourselves and all this new chapter that's happening in our lives Now, of course, Helena, we have the big magic question, which is sleep. Sleep? I know, I I have to ask because I know all the women out there want to know, I want to know. (laughs) Sleeping is, of course, the hardest topic, I think, for a new mom because it seems impossible to get it perfect and there is no such thing as perfect. So we wreck our brains to make it as best as possible because obviously we thrive better if we have sleep. And, you know, I think no one should be fooled or no new mom should or father should be fooled that, that there it will be a restful time when you've just had a newborn and that's probably something to be aware of before you you um you give birth and one of those things to just you know really understand that life will change as you mentioned earlier that there is a massive shift coming and in some ways see that as a a good thing, a good shift. And just, so it doesn't all just become hard and negative. But when it comes to sleep, there are so many books and so many techniques and so many schedules I've noticed. Oh, there is you when know between to have your this, toast yeah, <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, there's so many schedules. Which all sounds great if you sort of read it from a distance and maybe you're not a mum yet, or if maybe it fits into your schedule and you love the fact that you can just put them to sleep at a certain time and they conform to that. But I think maybe for me and for you, there is something in that that doesn't resonate as well. And um, I just have to ask you about what is Aware Parenting's, how would you talk to a client about someone who just can't get their baby to sleep? <laughs> because I know it happens.
1: Oh, and it's just so, it's just awful to be so tired. Th- that's when you dream about throwing your baby out the window. You know, that's when you just go, I cannot deal with this anymore. And that's when we want to just walk away and just leave our baby to cry because it's just too hard. And, you know, and it's so understandable because it's, and this is where it's so important that we look after our own needs. So with sleep, so from an aware parenting, parenting by connection point of view is recognizing that we don't have to teach our babies to sleep. You know, it's like teaching them how to poo. They're going to know how to poo. It's a physiological function that, you know, we can do. (laughs) What it is, though, is recognizing that there might be things that are getting in the way of helping our baby to have a restful sleep. So, you know, obviously one of them and which we all focus on is food. You know, is my baby hungry? So as our babies get older, they don't need to be fed every hour, you know, throughout the day and the night. And this is where breastfeeding on demand can come into play and be a bit tricky sometimes because babies, as a, crying is a big component of Aware Parenting and Parenting by Connection and recognizing that, yes, babies cry to communicate and they cry to release stress and pent-up stuff that's going on for them. So if if your baby is really wakeful and they wake up crying, your baby's showing you something. Your baby's showing you that they're, they're crying for a reason. And so if you feel you've met their physical needs, if you feel, I fed you half an hour ago, or, I fed you an hour ago, you know, I, I don't think it's hunger, know it's not a dirty nappy. You're not too warm, you're not too cold, I'm nearby, then that's when the stress release comes out. So what I really talk about is and try not to do it in the middle of the night because you're stressed then. So to work you can do really tangible things during the day. And one of them is to just stop and sit and be with your baby. And you know either you might your baby might already be crying or just just sit and have your baby in the in your lap and just gaze at them and just have that beautiful you know that cooing that we just so yummy with our baby and then what you'll often find is after a while they just start to get a bit squirmy and and then they might start to cry and so to allow them to have that cry in your arms for as long as you can manage it which you <laughs> I built up to an hour and I've been doing this for a long time so I, you know an hour after a while I was I was comfortable with but it might just be as i said just 5 minutes and then see how relaxed your baby is after that, because often your baby will then sleep better. So say if you're putting your baby down for a sleep during the day, you know, a nap during the day, rather than doing the whole rocking and jigging and you know, shushing and white noise and you know, everything that we you know, try and do to stop our babies from crying, just go, okay, I'm just going to hold you in my arms until you go to sleep. And it may be that your baby cries. And then sometimes what happens is that they then cry and then fall asleep. And You go, okay, that's that. Or they can cry and then just, when they finish crying, they gaze up at you. It's really <laughs> amazing. And they're just calm and peaceful and then they'll go to sleep. So it depends on what's going on. But So listening to crying during the day is, is just gold because it will reduce the needs of your baby to cry at night.
0: Mm, interesting. It sounds pretty mm.
1: valuable to me. <laughs> <laughs> and because often, you know, we might go through the day going, well, my baby doesn't cry much during the day. But that's often because we're, we're busy. They've got lots of things to look at. You know, we might just be distracting them with, you know, playing with them. And so at nighttime, there's no distractions. There's nothing else going on. And that's the opportunity that they then cry. So but if you know you're holding them, they've got that physical touch, which is so important with littleies because they can't see you. And then you just allow them to cry. And honestly, it it does transform sleep.
0: So do you have a particular opinion or advice to your mums around should the baby sleep in your room, with you, in a separate room? What if a mum really wants to do where? connected parenting, yes. <laughs> uh, but they really believe in having the baby in another room. Or maybe the husband believes in the child being in another room. I mean, they're, you know, three yeah, people's is a in this.
1: a big bone of contention, isn't it? I'm personally an advocate of co-sleeping, whether your baby's in your bed or in your a cot nearby. And I think, I mean, Sid's advice is certainly for the first six months that the baby is in the same room as you, but you don't have to. And I've had people say to me, but, you know, I don't want to co-sleep, so that means I can't do wear parenting. And that's not the case at all. It's about being responsive to your child's needs. So you can be responsive to your baby's needs if they're in a cot in your room or in another room. I personally find it's more exhausting going into another room, getting up and going to But it's completely your choice, isn't it? I mean, this is the whole thing. It's not hard and fast rules. So... But it's also recognizing that babies do need that physical closeness. And it's really important to them they're stone age babies, you know, they don't know that they're lovely and safe in this beautiful nursery. So I advocate co-sleeping or sleeping close by, but it's, you know, it's entirely your choice.
0: But it would just mean that if you do want to do this type of parenting or technique yes. or implement some of the advice that you're giving us, um, and if you do, you know, prefer to have your baby in another room, you would, you would then just, you know, the baby's crying, you go in and to it. And, and I mean, and we're talking about babies that are under one at the moment. So babies that are unaware that, you know, that they're actually separated from the mother, Mm -hmm. they think they're somewhat still in the womb. They don't have a concept of being a singular person or an individual.
1: And often babies sleep better because they're close to you. You know, your breathing gets in sync. Um, They can feel you. I think babies sleep better when they're close to you and you've been able to listen to feelings throughout the day. If your baby, and this is the thing, you know, I couldn't understand why my baby was waking up so often. I was going, go sleeping, you know, and you're still waking, what's going on? And uh, it, so the missing piece was the, just, you just need to have a cry to let it, let out whatever's bothering you. But that's why I say, you know, listening to crying at night is stressful because you're tired. Your husband's probably going, this is stressing me out, your neighbors it's just awful, so we'll look at it during the day. listen to as much crying as you can during the day, and then your baby will sleep better.
0: So when a mom is doing everything she possibly can <laughs> <laughs> and the baby is still crying as she's listened maybe for an hour or maybe two. Yes and she wants more advice or wants more help. does she call you and work through the the stuff that's going on at home and what she's, you know, how does she, how does she get more help? How can she get out of this vicious cycle that she might be in and that she's tried everything and it's just, she can't see a way out of this yeah. crying or that this baby just won't sleep. Because I mean, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of mums that are like this. How does, she, how do a woman get in touch with you and how does a woman um, or a new mom find a way to uh, break these vicious cycles that are there?
1: Yeah. that's a really big question, isn't it? (laughs) How do we break the vicious cycles of it all? Um, Yeah, I mean, I have my own website, which is birthandparenting.com.au. So, and I offer one-on-one consultations. I've also um, created an Aware Parenting Babies course with my mentor, Marion Rose. And so that um, actually runs, it's open, available all the time for people to join. But we, we run live rounds at certain times. And that really goes through a lot of the details and showing, I've got videos of my son crying um, and showing the difference and how, how to be with that. So that's great. There's also lots of free resources. There's on Facebook groups. There's a lot of um, aware parenting groups. If you just type in aware parenting into Facebook, you'll find groups there. And so it's so helpful if if this approach resonates and you want to find out more and be more supported in it, um, it's really helpful to, to find other people who would, you know, make a conscious effort to find other people who are doing it. Because not everybody resonates with it and some people will freak out and then you get that whole conflicting advice. So, um, yeah, those are those resources. Also, um, Alisa Salter wrote The Aware Baby and that's where a lot of this came from. So that's a brilliant book to, to, to really sort of start to get in that mindset of crying is good if you're with your baby. It's really Mm. healthy.
0: I think it's such a groundbreaking thing to hear. I mean, I I can feel this, all my cells go, you know, at ease now that I hear, oh, it's not all bad because they do cry and we just, I find myself, my shoulders tense up and I get all stressed and, you know, start to, you know, oh, can she stop? Um, And uh, yeah, I really think that that's such a, such a big one to take away from, you know, of all the things you've said. I think it's a big one to just remind yourself as a mum and all you women out there just to remember that it's just the way they're communicating and they're meant to cry and it's not all that bad, but listen to them. And yeah. Be with them.
1: Listen to them. So yeah, it's the two pieces, communication and stress release. You know, it's those two parts to it all. And, and it's so powerful. It helps with sleep. It helps just with general happiness content, you know, cause we have this, you know, the contented baby and that's just sort of the Holy grail, but you know, this isn't, brilliant way of helping your baby to feel genuinely relaxed in their body because they're not holding on to all that sort of stress or that, you know, upsetness or, oh, it's hard to put it in words for babies, isn't it? Because we can't really appreciate that babies have but I can see it babies. in front
0: of me. I know the feeling when you're sitting with the baby and they're letting it all out and you're like, just let it out. Just let I'm it here out. with you. Yeah. It is quite beautiful.
1: It really is. And... But we can only do that if we let it out or we have an outlet. So, you know, another part of this component of where Parenting and Parenting by Connection is it's um, called a listening partnership. And so it's peer-to-peer. So you find another mum who you feel comfortable with and you have some time and you divide the time in half and for half of the time you talk and you just say how awful it is and how hard it all is and you just have a cry and then the timer goes off and you stop and then you listen to the other mum. So it's a very mutual and that's brilliant because it feels... You get support and listen to, and then you hear what's going on for another mum, really what's going on for another mum. And that's so helpful because then you don't feel so alone. You go, oh, thank God, you're finding it hard too. (laughs) Which is so helpful to normalise things as well.
0: Yeah, I think because I can't say how many times I have heard... The same or very similar stories from women. And, you know, my stories are very similar to other women's. Um, And it's that thing about, you know, not being alone, not isolating yourself, not withdrawing from the world, but actually doing the opposite and connecting and and making sure that you're saying what's, what's there, what's, what your feelings are.
1: Yeah. And life with a newborn baby is not Instagram perfect. Beautiful, is it? Oh God, no, it's not. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Uh, Helena, I think it's just such juicy information that you're sharing with us. And I really, really appreciate it. I think Aware Parenting and your work um as an individual is, um it's really caring and it's very nurturing and so individual. So I feel really honoured that we can have you on the podcast and that I know that women out there can get your information so easily,
1: <laughs> hopefully. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I've really oh, enjoyed it. A,
0: I'll hopefully get you back soon so we can talk about the toddlers, which oh, yes. um is another whole other realm of other problems that come <laughs> yes. later on but i really thank you so much helena and my last question to finish off is um the three top questions from you personally as a as a mum as an experienced mum and also as a professional what are your top 3 advice to a new mum so this is a mum who's with a brand new baba in her arms or in that first 6 to 12 months what are your top 3 advice
1: I think it's, you know, number one is really looking after yourself because if you don't feel nurtured and nourished and refreshed, you can't nurture and nourish your baby. And then you can't nourish and nurture your toddler as they get older. And so, you know, it comes down to how do you feel and get the support that you need, whether that's, you know, somebody doing the washing up or somebody listening to you have a good old moan and vent and rant about how annoying your husband is. And this baby just doesn't stop crying. It's really, you know. That's so important. So don't push down your feelings and think, I should just be able to cope. Get it out. Find somebody who is willing to listen. And then you'll just feel free and just be more able to be with your baby in the way that you want to be with your baby. Um, The other one is to recognize that you're not going to get it right all the time. And it's, you know, you can't possibly get it all right. And that's great. It's absolutely fine. There is no such thing as perfect. I've now really discovered (laughs) And we know this intellectually, but then we sometimes, you know, still have that belief that we should be doing it perfectly and that other people would be doing it perfectly. So, yeah, just, you know, accept that you're going to get it wrong. You're going to not turn the monitor on. You're going to have to ignore your baby's needs for something really important. And that's okay. You can repair. And we spend a lot of our lives as parents, as our children get older, repairing (laughs) what we've done. And that's fine. It doesn't mean your child's going to need therapy or end up as an axe murderer. It's all okay. (laughs) And then the other one is is really letting go, letting go of that need for perfection of of you know having this as I said this Instagram perfect life. It's not going to be perfect, and that's that's great. And letting go also of I, I also found it important to let go for my husband as well that you know he loves our children too, and I find this a lot with couples is that you know the mum really wants everything perfectly and the husband comes in and does something that's not quite perfect and we just go no you're doing it all wrong <laughs> and so it's important to let go from that point of view as well and to to trust that you know you as a family unit will, will figure things out and it'll be great <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I think they're the most three perfect advice a new mum can take. So I do hope that our listeners will take that on board and maybe listen to it over and over again. Cause I think we have to remind ourselves. I certainly will.
1: I have to remind myself. I know. Well. It's,
0: it's ongoing, isn't it? It's one of those things. Um, but thank you so much. I know before we go that you have a special offer for
1: my mum's buyer ladies. I do. I do. I've got this, um, three-part video series that I would love to share with your mums. And it's about listening to your crying baby. So, you know, because this concept is quite challenging to get your head around, um, I just really wanted to, to break it down and to give some more information. So if your listeners would, you know, if you'd like to find out more, it's at birthandparenting.com.au forward slash mumspire. So then just come along and, and see if, if you want to find out more information.
0: I have no doubt that you will, you will find someone who is interested or several. <laughs> Thank you so much, Helena. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions or topics that you would like me to speak about, I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via my website, annamaria.com.au. And remember to subscribe so that you get each new episode as they become available. I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to write Mumspire a review on iTunes. And you can support us even further by making a donation on annamaria.com.au forward slash Mumspire. Lastly, I want to say a big thank you to our Danish friend Jesper Huff for making our very own Mumspire jingle. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself and your loved ones.